listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, where vocal music is our forte. At the top of the hour this hour, the open is set. With the international video competition and the wildcard rounds complete, the performer list for the Varsity Vocals Open Finals is in place. Georgian group The Quintessence, from the country, not the state, joins Novi from London as the two international competitors, along with Ohio's Vocalite, New York City's Backtrack, Transit from North Carolina, LA's Legacy, Women of the World out of Boston, and Jane from Utah. They'll be joined by the current ICCA International Champs, the Northeastern University Nor'easters, and ICHSA Champs, OSA Vocal Rush. All will take the stage at Carnegie Hall in New York on September 23rd. Stay tuned. Hello, Acaville fans. Welcome to Tacapella. I'm your host, John Lampus, here on Acaville Radio's weekly talk show. Today, I am joined by a former guest on the show, Brian Alexander. Brian, thank you so much for coming on the show for a second time. <laughs> Thanks for having me out, John. I was really excited to uh, get the call from you to do this again, so this is exciting. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, our the episode we did um, back in June, I want to say, was it's one of my favorites. We talked about uh, auditions in general, which I'm getting ready to do auditions for my group this weekend. And I was like, huh, I need to talk a Pella guest. And I was like, oh, my gosh, Brian and I went through like all the minutia of this. So it was perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely, dude. So can you just tell us what you've been up to lately in the uh, in the acapella world? Yeah, man. So it, uh, you know, it doesn't stop once you get done with college. Uh, you know, if you are really passionate about it, man, there's so much more to do. So that's what I've been doing for the most part. I've been running the college ACA website, always developing content for, for that, uh, medium on a daily basis. Along with that, I've been, uh, performing with a semi-pro group out in Utah called Inversion. So we've been doing, we just completed our summer gig run. So that was exciting nice. as well. So uh, it's been a, been really busy these last few months. Yeah, but sounds like busy in a pretty great way. Can you, uh, for those of us who don't know as much about College Aka, can you tell us a little bit about the site and what you do and what it offers? Yeah, definitely. So College Aka is actually a sister site to collegemarching.com. So the mm. guys that started the whole organization devoted to college marching bands saw that there was a, a need right, and there was a market right. and a acapella, especially the co- collegiate scene. So they reached out to to me and was like, hey, you seem like a guy that knows a little bit about this medium here. So uh, <laughs> you want to develop content, you know, interact with groups. And so what I do is I do different articles on a daily basis, whether it's mm-hmm. video reviews, whether whether it's uh, album reviews or even just um, you know doing some really cool interviews with groups, uh, we started to do this really cool segment over the last few months called Aka Live. And what we'll do, mm. we'll invite a college group to come on and just take over our Facebook live stream, and they can stream their rehearsal, they can stream Ooh. just a performance set, just a lot of really cool content. Yeah, that sounds awesome. That sounds a lot like Acaville in a in a different, really cool in a really cool way. So, what's what has been um, like your most enjo- the most enjoyable aspect of running College Oc and all the opportunities you get and groups you get to interact with? What's been like your a couple of your favorite moments on the site so far with this whole like endeavor? 
Oh man, just so from a, just a daily basis, I guess the really cool aspect of that is um, and introducing the audience to groups that they probably have never even heard of before. Because mm-hmm. someone who loves uh, acapella, especially the collegiate scene, I know all about these groups. I've been yeah. following a, a lot of these uh, organizations for years, and the thing is, like a lot of other people are, aren't really tuned into the smaller mm-hmm. groups. You know, everyone knows kind of a SoCal vocals, pitch slap, the big hitters, but I. I really like getting to uh, feature content on the smaller, lesser known groups. So that's been exciting. And then uh, really outside of that, um, just doing the Aka Live series. One of the really cool things I got to do as of recently with Aka Live is we featured a group from the UK. It was our very first international. Nice. Yeah. And so uh, they are actually called the Rolling Tones. And oh, they yeah. were... Uh, yeah, a few months ago, they actually won the Voice Festival UK competition, which is like the ICCA equivalent uh, over there in Europe. So it was really cool getting to feature It's a great them on opportunity. Yeah, definitely, man. Are there any other groups that you've uh, really enjoyed having the privilege to get to meet or even groups that you didn't know about that now you've learned more about? Yeah, definitely. Um, there was a group from, uh, I believe, Bowling Green University. Hopefully, I got the name of that school right. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's all male group out there called 1040. And uh, they were actually one of the bigger ones that surprised me when we uh, hosted an Aka Live series on them because they are a group that is known quite well across campus. And that's not always the case with acapella groups, but it seems like they're doing some really cool things out there in the university. I'm like, their university always invites them to the big events they're putting on, whether that's new student programs or just traditional, you know, every monthly kind of schools, uh, traditional kind of um, events. And so uh, when I got when I invited them on and um, I got to look at their interview and read all of their responses, um, they're pretty much just taking over the campus. I'm like the school radio wow. always invites them on. Um, they're doing stuff with uh, other acapella groups. So uh, they were one that surprised me just because once you read all that stuff and then you see them perform, you start to understand why they are as big around campus as they are. Yeah. And I think this kind of touches on the bigger thing of it's so great that acapella is so much bigger than it was like 10, 15 years ago. But it's also like, because it's so much bigger, there's like so much we don't know, even in terms of like people who are really plugged in, like you and me, people at College Aka, people at Acaville, there's groups that we don't know about. And that was kind of my fear back when I started um, the Timberman at the University of Puget Sound, where I did my undergrad. It was kind of like Uh this, okay, I'm starting a new group, but man, acapella is such a big world now. How can we even like kind of get into it? And I think this idea of kind of just going out and trying to find groups that, you know, like you said, ones who maybe even aren't who uh, groups who haven't won competitions or groups who aren't even competing in ICCAs or are just kind of a presence on their campus. Like, I think that just makes the acapella world bigger because maybe I follow a group, maybe not because they've won an ICCA, but because they, like you said, maybe they've like kind of become a really big part of campus life. And that just shows like people who want to start groups or who have started groups or are in groups, different kinds of acapella groups. We don't all have to be the SoCal vocals. We can be, uh, you know, just like a big part of the, the local college town or the community or have a big radio presence on campus. And it just shows us like, wow, acapella groups can be more than just competition winners. And that's, that's yeah. what it sounds like you're talking about. And I think that's really great that you give groups that opportunity. 
Yeah, and exactly. Like I couldn't agree more. Um, if you really want to kind of get an idea of how big the world is, go to YouTube or just go to Facebook and type in acapella oh, God. and look at the search. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I, I think that's probably how I come across a lot of the groups that I do is just a general search online and mm-hmm. just looking up a video or looking up a news article for these groups and you discover these groups and it's just like, oh my gosh, I'm like, I'm, I'm going down the, the, a deep, <laughs> the deep rabbit hole Been at there. this point. Because <laughs> there's so many groups, and uh, I think you were also touching on it. It's not just even just the competition aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, the groups that I bring on for Aka Live, a lot of them don't even compete at the end of the day. They're not a competition group. I remember mm-hmm. um, one of the groups that I, I, I just featured one of their videos on our website, and they're like a all Disney themed kind of acapella group. Wow. So that's the only genre of music that they touch huh. and they do n- no competition whatsoever. They're just there mm-hmm. to perform because they enjoy the art of it. Yeah. I think that's really great. And you know, what's also like something that I don't think people talk about too much or too favorably um, is just the idea of acapella groups that aren't, and, and this is going to sound weird, but aren't necessarily trying to be great. They're just like people who want to get together and make music. And even if it's not, and, and this is so like against every fiber of my being because I'm a music ed major and everything. But there is, yeah. I, I think there is really something to be said for people who just want to get together and have that experience of singing like covers of popular songs and just do it for the fun of it for themselves, not necessarily to be rated or to be like, okay, did we stay in tune? And that's what's so great about like all vocal music is that we can have this range of like, okay, let's say like a non-audition choir that people aren't there to, well, I want to, this is just a stepping stone for me to like the next group. No, we're just there because we want to be with these people and make music. And it's focused on the experience rather than trying to hit some arbitrary like kind of mark. And that's not to say that groups that want to win the ICCAs are doing anything wrong. I think it just shows like, we have all these avenues to pursue and that's what's like especially like honestly even the past like two or three years since i started talk capella and started my own groups and stuff has been like huh okay timberman my old group they probably aren't ever going to do the iccas just because the members in it right now don't really want to and they're more focused about getting involved in the greater uh SeaTac area and becoming a bigger part on the campus community and i'm like at first I was like, what, what are you talking about? Then I was like, Hey, wait, that's, <laughs> that's totally fine because we don't have to just be the winners of the ICCAs. I'm not trying to bash on the exactly. ICCAs or anything, but it's, it's just nice to know that, uh, and especially through what you're doing and seeing these other groups that there isn't a certain model that, a, that a group has to follow. It can be whatever you want. And the idea of a Disney only group, like, I think I might get a little tired of that, but I think that's great. Right. Like that we have something that niche. I had a group on, uh, I had the director uh, or the president of a group on Tacapella once and they were called the No Tones. I can't remember what school they're from, but their whole mm. point was they don't really try to sound good. They're just like a kind of even a com- borderline comedy group. And I'm like, hey, oh, it, was, it was it was kind of hard for me to, to digest in the episode. <laughs> I was like, what? What are you talking about? But it's it's so cool that we can offer all that the acapella community can offer all these opportunities. Yeah, and I and 
for me personally, along with everything that you just said, I like it, it kind of goes back to the if you want to kind of equate it to like the childhood roots of why many of us got into music at the end mm-hmm. of the beginning. I'm um, yeah. like, it wasn't just to get, get in there to go compete and do all these vocal contests and necessarily be better. It was just an escape and the, a love and the passion for music at the end of the day. And I think that's what I find with so many more groups that I interact with. There are so many people that are into it just because they either want an escape at the end of the day or it's just something that they love doing and it's they don't want to add that competition aspect to it it's just like another way to express themselves so i'm like there there, there's so many reasons to love acapella at the end of the day and you know there's there's a group out there for everyone yeah absolutely i was talking with um a uh good friend of mine here at csu who i was like hey man you should audition for uh for my acapella group it's gonna be really fun he has a great voice and he was like you know i think i need this and i was like well what do you mean he's like i think i need because he's a music major he plays cello and he's like i think i need to be doing some music that isn't like quote unquote work or that is just an outlet and 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 you and that you reminded me of that by saying the word escape like music is an escapist like endeavor for a lot of people and it we can fall anywhere on that spectrum from escapist to competition and everywhere in between. So, um, that's, that just makes me happy that, uh, as you look for groups and as I look for groups, you know, it's like, Hey, we're not just going down the list of like ICCA winners from the past 15 years and only talking to them. We're showing because the acapella community and how we get people involved in the acapella community and their perception of it is what we show. And it's what we feature. So someone coming along, uh, seeing like, hey, this group is like, all right, but they're really popular on their campus and they have like some cool traditions and they have their own culture. Like, that's cool. I should try to be a part of a group like that. So transitioning, Brian, you had talked about singing with the group Inversions and obviously a uh, non-collegiate group of any kind. It can be a very different experience for people. I have never been in an acapella group that was not affiliated with a school. I think I like tried to make one over like a summer one time, but it was still with my friends from school. And uh, post-collegiate groups, those are definitely something that uh, especially came up a lot earlier in acapella's run. And I'm curious what it's been like, because like you said, you, you're in charge of a site called College Aka. So that might be, <laughs> that, I mu- that must be a transition. I'm curious, just like, what's the difference not having this kind of like, larger framework, larger institution uh, that you're attached to. Yeah, definitely. So for me personally, it comes down to two different things. So one, there's a lot less resources involved when it comes to being in a post-collegiate group. Um, the, The benefit of being in a college group is, you know, you have the university, you have that hub of where everyone is located. So you can go and post flyers or go to student organizations and try and start up a a brand new group and you have basically you have those facilities and you have all those resources there that just make it really easy to group people together that you're looking for. Um, as you know, being a member of a post collegiate group that's and trying to really start that group that was so not the case. So yeah. we actually had to resort to uh, resources such as Craigslist mm. or, you know, Reddit. Actually, the first guy Reddit. I ever found. Hey, <laughs> yeah. I love Reddit. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's so surprising. I would have never guessed that I could find a, somebody who's in acapella off of Reddit. Yeah. Um, I've been to the acapella but, uh, subreddit. It's kind of desolate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it, it needs a little bit of work, but I've been yeah. trying to post a few things in there. Good, so uh, good. I'll upload it's, them all. It's picking. <laughs> oh, nice. But uh, when I first uh, looked into getting the group started, when 
when I uh, moved to a new area, it was I posted something on Reddit, and it just so happened the guy that ended up being our beatboxer for a little over a year, he was the first guy that responded. I was like, hey, I'm into this. Um, you know, send me more details. And I kind of nice. had that hesitation on, is this yeah. a troll or is this a, a real guy who's into this? And, you know, being a cappella nerd, I was like, you know what? He says he's into music. I'm going to go for it. And uh, sh- sure enough, I ran with, with him. And then um, I had another uh, member of our group. She responded to my Craigslist ad, which, you know, you should never talk to strangers online. But in acapella, <laughs> you know, that's totally OK. Um, and so we all actually met up in person um, in a public place. Of course, uh, safety is the most important thing. And um, we discussed, you know, the hey, we're, we've done this in the past. We like to keep doing it because the, the thing is, you, you never really – you know, the desire to want to do stuff either musically or acapella never really leaves you if you're really into performing yeah. at the end of the day. And so that was what we were all looking at. I was like, hey, we still want to continue this. Um, granted, we know we have our everyday lives and that's this kind of transition to that second point. You're working with people who aren't in college. You're working with people who have full-time jobs. You're yeah. working with people who they just can't um, – I guess, give of themselves, you know, give up, you know, the regular six hours a week, three days mm-hmm. a week, whatever your routine schedule is for acapella. So now you have to work with, um, I guess, everyday adults on making this new group work. So it's been it's it was a struggle to start, but it, it ended up being very rewarding at the end of the day. What I have to imagine, uh, and obviously I don't know any of the members of your group, but hearing all of these things about like obstacles to rehearsal time, whether it's jobs or, you know, commitments, like what if some of these people are like, let's say I want to start a post-collegiate group. Like what if like the best singers, what if they're like married and have like kids mm-hmm. and stuff like that? It's kind of, yeah. I, I'm realizing by talking with more post-collegiate people, how great it is to be a collegiate group, not just because of the resources, but because we're all on like some kind of schedule related to the same institution. Like CSU classes, I don't think they can go past like 8.30 or 9 or whatever. So, and people have to be close enough that either they live on campus or they're right by campus or they commute. So it's like all of these factors we have going for us that that is just a giant privilege in so many ways. And it's, I'm, I'm curious to see how I'll handle trying to be like, in a post-collegiate group, I probably won't start one. If I want to join one, what are my own obstacles to like joining it? Cause normally I'm like, I will drop everything for, for acapella. But right. what if I have like a job or like I need to walk my dog or like I'm living on my own and I need to like, you know, pick up a second job for rent or all these things. It's, it's acapella clashing with, you know, real life. And I think that, uh, the only thing is I hope that, uh, as the acapella community grows and I mean, you know, everything clashes with real life hobbies, clash with real life, playing video games, clashes with real life sports, community teams, all these things. Cause for me, I always think of, well, I'll put acapella above anything, but that might not always be the case because of real life. So, uh, I think this is just speaks to the larger issue of like, you know, millennials in particular figuring out their schedules after they leave, after they like leave school. Um, so I'm curious what has been like, cause you said it was harder at the beginning when you, when you guys were trying to figure out schedules and meeting and stuff, how, how has that improved since the beginning? What, like, do you have any tips or techniques? Like we only schedule at like, we only do 2am rehearsals or whatever, or, you know, just like stuff like that. Don't do 2am rehearsals. Yeah. Listeners don't do 2am rehearsals. <laughs> 
Oh, no, I would definitely advise against 2 a.m. rehearsals. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they won't go that great. Um, but no, you actually hit on a few things and I want to respond to, you know, some things that might be able to help out. So one of the things that we did and I, I like to speak on this a lot of times when I'm speaking to any person who's starting a group is kind of knowing what expectations you have for the group. Um, that's probably even more important when it comes to a post-collegiate group or semi-pro group, a group that's not established, uh, associated with a, a college or a university, um, because where where that group can kind of, you know, take their time and figure out, you know, who are we? Um, you know, what do we want to focus on? What do we want to be at the end of the day when it comes to people who, you know, who could be, you know, married couples or singers that have kids or singers that have demanding jobs? You have to know up front really or decide up front what expectations you have for the group. Do we want to be just a hobby group or do we want to make this kind of like a part time job? Um, and that's something that we had to figure out early on, because when we kind of took our time a little bit because we a lot a few of us had been in a college group. We were like, okay, well, we can operate the same way we did in college, and we found out no, you you can't do that when two of your when two of your members are married and they have a kid, which was the case for us. Boom. And so yeah, and not only that, um, the husband uh, he was also a full time med student as well. So um, he was balancing a lot, juggling a lot, and so we had to figure out early on, you know what do we want to be as a group? And we decided, you know, we want to kind of just be a hobby group. We want to meet once a week. Um, we want to just do weekend performances. And we established that right away with help, which helped with scheduling. Uh, we did uh, once a week rehearsals that ran at night for two hours. And the rest was just pick up the music outside of rehearsal at the end yeah. of the day. Um, yeah. And so ex expectations um, and knowing exactly what you want out of the group while it's just as important as an, in a collegiate group, it's even more important um, when it's just something you're doing in addition to jobs and everyday kind of uh, balancing acts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then just in addition, like I've said, even with the married couple that we had in our group, you know, that's actually, that was a real benefit to us because it helped to not have to go out there and find an additional voice just because, mm -hmm. you know, if you can find people who are committed to the music and, you know, they might even have those added elements such as kids or husband and wife, you know, I don't really see that as a drawback or a setback in any means. I'm like, if anything, it just, it actually really, it worked out really well for our group. Just having those two people we could count on, knowing that they could lean against on each other to learn music. And just keep up with everything. So um, there, there's a lot of benefits to just attracting certain, I'm like not certain kinds of people when it comes no, to but, membership. But, but recognizing that just, you know, a, a single independent student living in a dorm, that's not necessarily the model that every group has. You don't need that model member for every single yeah. spot in your group. That makes a lot of sense because if there's a husband and wife, let's say one's a tenor, one's an alto, hey, they can practice their parts together. Like like you just said, that's that's just a little benefit that you don't really expect and that's just nice to have when you're out in the real world. It's a nice it's just a nice little consolation prize for how much you have to deal with when you're not <laughs> part of a college. Right, right. You hit it right there on the head. And then uh, another thought I had, and it's a lot of things that you've been saying is just in regards to what a, a model member, I guess, could look like. And I get mm -hmm. the feeling from both of us that we're very passionate people when it comes to acapella music and we're very devoted. And, you know, we would kind of kill ourselves in regards to making our group succeed at the end of the day. And that's something I haven't been able to step away completely from uh, even after um, leaving my collegiate group, what I found out is I can't really 
do that 100% the same way I could in a, a college group as much as I would love to. Um, I have to learn. I had to learn basically with this new group is how to really delegate tasks and really give more to other members versus just being a one man army like I like, which might have been the case back in my collegiate group when I was first starting out a new group. So as much as I'm passionate about the group, uh, doing acapella stuff, and I would love to just take over everything um, when it comes to the real world and having a 40 hour plus week job and having, you know, work, going to the gym and workout and just doing every little bit of social life as I possibly can. Um, you have to learn how to balance that even more once you leave college. Absolutely. I think that's a great note to uh, end our first segment on. We've been talking with Brian Alexander today, all about like the real world of acapella and by meeting like acapella plus real life and how you have to navigate all of that and a bunch of other topics. We're going to talk about a few more things with Brian when we're back, but right now we're going to pass it over to the newest segment on TalkPella, Michael Wingate doing his beatbox corner. He's going to teach us a few basic sounds. You're going to listen to a tune and then we're going to be right back here on TalkPella. Tacapella. My name is Michael Wingate, and I'm going to be bringing you a new segment on Tacapella, teaching you about beatboxing and vocal percussion. To start, since this is my first one, I'm going to be teaching the basics. If you're already a beatboxer or a VP, my tutorials will help you in the future, but hey, you should really still listen. So I'm going to be going over the three basic sounds, the kick drum, the hi-hat, and the snare. 
These sounds should not cause any discomfort or pain, but if you do feel any, please take a break, drink water, sleep, whatever, and come back later. To start with the kick drum, just say the letter B and take out the vocal. B. 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 It might sound like like a really weak, weak kick drum at first, but as you keep doing it and get better at it, it's going to get more punchy and you'll keep refining it. What I don't want you to be doing is curling your lips and making this sound. Which I'm sure you've probably done just like messing around before. But that's what I don't want you to be doing because it's not going to come across as like a punchy, bassy uh, kick drum on the mic. Now for the hi-hat, say the letter T and take out the vocal. T. T. It's honestly probably the easiest sound to do, so I don't uh, really expect it uh, giving you much trouble. Now for the snare, I'm going to be teaching you two types of snares. First, the PFT snare. For this, you want to slightly curl your top lip behind your bottom lip. Then, I want you to say PFT or puffed or something like that. You want to get a good burst of air behind the initial P because that's what really makes that snare sound. You can also try PSH or push, uh, something like that. Now, if you absolutely cannot get that, uh, you can take the kick drum and then add an ISS or an ISH to the end of it. So instead of it becomes it just um, it gives off a more trebly sound, which distincts it between the regular kick drum, so it can still. Uh, sound like a snare and be used as a snare and it's typically easier for beginners than the the pft snare now lastly i'm going to be teaching you an outward k snare you basically say the letter k and take the vocal out of it uh, this can act as a k snare until you learn inward k snares which i will teach at a later time uh, it's going to sound pretty weak at first but if you refine it uh, you'll be able to get more power behind it uh, as you get more comfortable with it. So you're going to say the letter K, 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 and you're going to really accent that initial hit of the K, K, and you're going to take the vocal out of it. Again, if you feel any discomfort or pain, take a break, drink water, come back later. These sounds really shouldn't give you any pain, but there's always a slight chance. Thanks for listening, everyone. Once again, I'm Michael Wingate, and I'll be back next week with another Perk tutorial. Thanks for listening. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, leave the instruments at the door.
And welcome back to Talk Appella. All right, Brian. So, question. I am doing auditions this weekend for my group, The Mountain Horns. I am the only returning vocal member. We have our social chair and a treasurer, but it's uh, it was a group of five last year. I want to make it a group of 13. Uh, we've got quite a few strong singers signed up, but... Uh, and it's, you know, five minute auditions. I'm, I've done auditions before for groups. I've only done it twice. And this is for a different kind of group where it's a big guys group as opposed to a small guys group. Uh, do you have any tips for me? Cause I've, I haven't done auditions, like auditioned people for like two years. So, uh, what, what should I do, man? Cause I'm, uh, we talked about this last time you're on and you gave me some good advice and I'm curious, like, you know, with your experiences in the past few months, do you have any advice that I should uh, take to heart as I go into this weekend? Yeah, so definitely. Um, so we're just coming back as a, you know, a one person army is not the worst thing. At the end of the day, you get to shape the group however you would like to, yeah. and which is a really <laughs> cool thing that a lot of people don't get to do, especially returning groups. You know, you have to stick to the same blueprint. Um, so what I would say is know what you're looking for first and foremost, mm -hmm. know what sound you're after. So once you know what sound you're after, then you can choose the voices that best fit into mm -hmm. that structure. Um, and that will make auditions, you know, run a lot more seamlessly and flow smoothly. Um, it's really easy to kind of shape an audition process around um, an idea of, of what you already have in mind. So pick out those voice parts that you need. Um, figure out, you know, will these voices contribute to the overall end game of what I'm looking for? Yeah. And then auditions will really take care of themselves. I think most people do auditions in the same way. You know, you do your simple range test. You might have a sight reading um, section, which not all groups do sight reading. But mm -hmm. uh, that, if that's important to you, definitely choose a really simple piece just to kind of gauge that. And then just really figure out where the, those voice personalities lie mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Um, the easiest thing about auditions is just that initial aspect because I was actually thinking about auditions today and the first audition the first part of audition should always just be you know getting to know the individual yep. and getting to know their voice which you can do pretty much anything no I no ideas off the table at that point um, the where it gets a little bit more complex becomes and narrowing down you know that callback phase yeah um, and then you might have to think a little bit more about what what best fits um, with the people that you're bringing back. But just to kind of get that initial audition out the way, um, it's open for interpretation. So nothing is off the table. Yeah, I think that's, you know, in regards to getting to know the person that reminds me, um, I'm going to do this again because I did it in uh, the second year of auditions in my undergrad. I'm going to bring it back. It reminds me of something another group did. Let me explain that because I didn't actually say anything right there. Um, the thing we did my second year of auditions was that, you know, they filled out a little form, name, grade, preferred voice part, experience. And then we just put like what's your favorite Pokemon? Like just on there. And it was just kind of, you know, and um, it was just kind of a fun little, Hey, we can like, it, it gave me an in after they had like finished doing the singing part. It gave me an in to, Hey, let's hear a little bit about you. Or if I think they're kind of nervous coming in, it was like, Hey, I saw you liked Charizard or whatever. And then I kind of establish a kind of like base for interacting. It kind of brings the anxiety level on their part down a bit and it also just showed me like 
if they were just like, oh, this is stupid, or oh, this is kind of neat, or it's just a fun little thing. I know for uh, the mixed group at my uh, undergrad, Underground Sound, they had, what's your favorite Disney character on their form? And <laughs> they had uh, one guy audition who was a pretty good singer, but he was just like super standoffish about it. He thought it was just kind of dumb. And they were like, you they, they just didn't respond to that very well. Understandably, it just it came across as like kind of pompous. And they're like, hey, even though this is just a tiny snapshot and we don't go up to people on the street and ask, what's your favorite Disney character? It gave us a little glimpse into, hey, this is kind of our per- the group's personality. How do you react to this? And the guy was pretty like standoffish and thought it was dumb. So they kind of knew, yeah, this might not be our kind of guy. And this all of this kind of reminds me, Brian, of what you told me uh, last time you were on the show that I am doing this weekend is um, having uh, one member or one uh, one of our officers who's not a member of the actual vocal group because like I said I'm the returning member uh, be outside with the auditionees and then bring them in and I remember you told me about one of your your officers um, who brought in someone who I get I think you said had a good voice but they she said like hey you know, I've been out there with these guys for a bit. This guy kind of has a bit of an attitude or thinks he's kind of pompous. And that's what I'm hoping, that's what I'm doing with our treasurer, who's um, uh, a great girl. And she's going to sit out there with the auditionees and just like bring them in and just can kind of give us a little snapshot into, okay, what kind of people are these? Because it, so much of this, and I didn't realize this for far too long, it, you know, it comes down a lot to personality and I'd rather have someone, and I've said this a billion times on the show, I'd rather have someone who can't sight read well, but is going to like work their butt off learning their part rather than like someone who's super pompous and can sight read great. And it's, you know, yeah. how are they going to fit with the group? So that's definitely something you said last time that I'm, I'm really was like, Hey guys, we're going to do this this time. Cause this is how we find out, uh, who the good eggs and who the bad eggs are. Right. And let me just say that, uh, I love the idea of having a question about Pokemon on any application <laughs> process. Um, I would definitely sign up for a group or at the very least audition um, if I saw that on an audition form. Um, Y'all can't see this, kinda... but I'm holding up my little toy Charizard <laughs> on, on, on the Skype channel right now. Oh, that's awesome. I'm going to put uh, them right but here. Just, yeah, just to continue on with that thought is one thing that all that the really great groups have that that also takes a lot of work is, you know, just having that identity at the end of the day. You know, you think about your favorite groups, you know, you know kind of what their style is, you know what their their identity, what their personality is at the end of the day. And but the thing that goes along with that is it's not easily developed right away. Um, I think that's one of the things I struggled with is coming into starting a group, both um, from a collegiate perspective and even a semi-pro perspective is I wanted to be like these other great groups. I wanted that that camaraderie that they had. I wanted that uh, charisma. I wanted mm-hmm. that those traits that they had that really helps them to stand out. And I wanted that like right off the cuff and, you know, right off um, the initial get go of everything. But that's not something that you find out until yeah. you uh, spend time with those people. And, you know, you're bringing new people into and, and those identities that you bring in, as long as you all are gelling well, you know, it'll shape the whole yeah. culture of the group at the end of the day. Um, and so I think, um, you know, that's why so much needs to be put on, uh, like you said, having someone get to know the personalities of these people that are coming in and then just making sure, you know, can do, are these first, are these great singers and then are great musicians or will they be able to contribute to the group? And secondly, 
is this someone I can uh, see myself spending a reasonable amount of time yeah. with each and every week? That's you know that's a really good way to phrase it because I think so much just literally in terms of saying can I spend time with this person? That's a really good way of putting it because it's also not just time like next to them in class where you're not talking. It's time collaborating and working with this person. And I had that issue in the. Th- third second official performing semester of the group where of of my undergrad group where it was just me and this other guy we just did not gel on a lot of ways and uh before the group we would hang out every once in a while and then uh, after a bunch of time in the group we just like really didn't click and i realized like hey i'm not just like having him be a part of my group and looking at him just as a voice i'm looking at him as an individual and how he interacts with other people and the synergy and how well can we work together towards a common goal and it wasn't that great and then he ended up leaving the group for other reasons but the next semester we had someone else step in who was not uh, the guy who left was a vocal performance major like the tenor section leader and everything uh mm-hmm. and, and he's a great singer um but then we had someone the person who stepped in to take his place not a freshman not a music major um just like a cool dude who could hold his part and he had a nice voice and he just was like more in line with the rest of the personality of our group and we all just became like great bros we like still have like an ongoing uh like a message thread and we talk about inside jokes and it's form forming that identity and i think your point about it won't come immediately is is really important because when we first started rehearsals with those four members where it was the new guy coming in we didn't have that like bond but because and it would it would have been okay if we didn't have that bond if that didn't grow into it but because we knew we could all work together in a musical setting and had reasonable like not even shared interests but just shared ideas of like work ethic and communication we laid the ground for that to grow eventually and by like two or three months in we were just all like really close and by the next semester with everyone returning and we had another member come in so we were five uh we all just got along so great because we had a good sense not just of group identity but how the rehearsals work in tandem uh from that identity yeah and going along with that whole idea idea of identity and you know those first few months of just being in a new group i have so many horror stories about (laughs) uh, about things that didn't work out well for us in the early phases of the group and you know that can be another segment in itself altogether Mm -hmm. but um what's just as important as the initial audition of getting to know people and um kind of figuring out what you want in the group and here's my professional um personality coming out a little bit is (laughs) Having that in the real world, we refer to it as employee onboarding. And that is that time that is spent, you know, acclimating this new individual um, to the culture of the group or the way of doing things. And I think what is just as important as figuring out, you know, how we're going to structure the music, how we're going to, you know, go about finding performances. I think there also needs to be a good amount of time in those first few months on, you know, what are we going to do to make this feel like a family or make this feel Um, like a, a real cohesive group of people together that enjoy that time together. So I think um, just as much as you're figuring out what to do from the audition part um, aspect, you also need to figure out, okay, now that I have these new members coming into the group, you know, how I'm going to make, how am I going to make them feel comfortable in the first three months or to kind of begin the, the framework for structuring that identity? What can we do, you know, from a group bonding sense at the end of the day? Yeah, and that's what retreats are so great for. I I think I I don't know if I talked about this on our last episode or it was a different acapella episode, but 
Uh, and my last semester in the group, when we had all five members who were all like really close with each other, we went on our retreat. We had rehearsed for a while and we all knew each other pretty well and we were good buddies. And then I just talked about like Fallout 4 and we were all just like, <laughs> wait, what? Oh, and then we just all like totally independent of music. We were just geeking out about Fallout 4 and every yeah. single one of us, all five of us were just so pumped. And because of that, I was thinking like, hey, it just gave everyone a little bit more of like buying into the group. It wasn't just, I am in this class without any personal relationships and I'm here to make music. It was, I'm with my friends and it's okay if you don't, if you're not friends with everyone in your group, but that was just an extra bonus for us because we had chosen people who we could see ourselves becoming friends with, or at least like the baseline of we can work well together. We opened the door for that fallout Four geek out moment. <laughs> and because of that, our bond was even deeper. So uh, that's, you know, I think when you're talking about how can we build group identity and stuff, I think in those first few months, that's really important to not just treat everything like, you know, it's good to hit the ground running in terms of the music, but you'll save yourself, I think, so much like uh, drill time and music learning in the long run if you can have everyone buy into the group like early on through their personal relationships with each other. Right. Yeah. You'll save yourself so much stress at the end of the day. And I know that's kind of um, kind of like an oxymoron when it comes to college and, you know, mm -hmm. losing sleep and things like that. But it, it really goes a long way. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that I found in my last semester in the group in doing auditions uh, in my last semester in Timberman, my undergrad group, we uh, we brought one new member on for that semester. And then we uh, we not hired, but we selected me and the other musical director. We were leaving at the end of the semester in the middle of the year because that's when we just were graduating. We selected uh, the two members who would replace us halfway through the year at the semester break. And what was really, I, I found really good in doing that was after we had chosen based on the voices, I just sat down with both of them. Like after all the voice stuff had been done, I just like had coffee with them and just talked to them about like, Hey, how do you feel about this? What's your opinion on this? And just really got to know them more. And I wish like, honestly, I, I think there should almost be like, and it'd be hard to do, but like an interview portion almost of the audition, like yeah. where it's just one-on-one -on -one, where it's like, Hey, how do you feel about this? And it's okay if you disagree with me because you're going to be in the group and I'm not, or we'll both be in the group and we'll have to come to a consensus just because of scheduling. We only have five minute auditions this weekend, but I'm going to try and stretch those out because I just want to like get a sense of who these people are. Um, and like you said, you know, having someone kind of out there with them, I'm going to do that, the Pokemon question. And, but I also just kind of want to like talk to them and I'm trying to talk to the auditionees like a lot before the auditions happen. So I just get a sense of like, how committed they would be or what they're like as people. I, my, my ideal like audition thing would be just like a standard, like range solo thing callbacks. And then if you still have a lot, do like an interview to choose by personality. Essentially. I think that would be, I, I think that'd be really great. Yeah, I love that idea so much. Um, I think a lot of people kind of get stuck in this. We have to do auditions, um, you know, in this ABC kind of format. And that's yeah. all that, we can do because that's the way things have always been for like any kind of musical organization. But that's yeah. the, that's the beauty of acapella. It's so different. I'm like shape auditions, how you best see fit. You know, I would lo have loved for us to kind of do that interview process because like I said, it, it would have left, it would have made it so much easier for us to kind of figure out these people on a completely different level than kind of waiting and figuring them out as we go along, which is, is going to happen either way but you know just to kind of sit down after you know that you want this specific candidate for the group and just to kind of get to know them 
uh, from a different frame of mind, knowing that you want to bring this person in the group, I think that'll change the way the perspective on how you kind of view them. And so, um, please, by every means, yeah, go along with that idea. I love that. Um, just to kind of do like a small interview and it doesn't have to be a kind of a real formal thing, no, you know, you whether sit it's a, down with them and talk. Yeah. And sometimes it can be just even over a phone call. I know yeah. the way we used to do things is, um, we'd audition, we hold callbacks and then we, you know, spend five hours discussing people. And then later that night is when we'd call them up. And I think that can be even the beginning stages on the, Hey, yeah. you know, we kind of narrowed down some people. Uh, but I wanted to give you a quick phone call and just kind of get to know you a little bit more just from a personal level i'm so. gonna do that all right you just decided that another part of the audition phase <laughs> for me brian i'm gonna do that that's oh. that's a great idea like narrow it down and then i i, I know for uh, in my last semester with timberman like i said we took one new member for that semester and it came down it was a great tenor there were two great tenors who auditioned but we chose the one who like even though i can't remember if he was a better sight reader than the other one but he like when he came in the room he looked us in the eye he shook our hands he was like super charismatic the other one was shy kind of disorganized which which is what i was like when i first auditioned years ago uh which is fine but because we had a good sense of the personality we made the right choice and i i I really like the idea of and and let's say we didn't know those things about those personalities beforehand we would have like maybe chosen the other guy just based on like some like very small sight reading thing but because we had a good sense of their personality the decision was easy so that's a really good idea not just doing interviews after you've deliberated like well deliberate then do the interview and then make the final decision because that just gives you one more little uh, not little just one more chunk of information to base it all off of Exactly. I'm like, there, there's so much that you just kind of get uh, tied up with as you're going through the process that, you know, it completely slips your mind until afterwards. And like I said, just kind of taking that step back, you know, it, it helps out. Boom. That's going to wrap up this section of Tacapella. We're going to be right back. I'm John Lampus talking with Brian Alexander, all about like everything you can think of in regards to acapella. And we're going to be right back. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock on our app, on TuneIn Radio, and online at acaville.org. And welcome back to Tacapella. I'm your host, John Lampus, and I've been talking with Brian Alexander today in one of my like most enjoyable Tacapella episodes so far because we've been going through tons of different ideas. We talked a lot about post-collegiate groups at the beginning about the idea of acapella conflicting with like real life commitments. And then we talked a lot about uh, my upcoming auditions uh, for my group. And then all our, Brian and I just shooting ideas back and forth about, well, we could do this or this or this. So um, this has been a super fun episode. Before we do all our plugs, Brian, I just want to thank you again for coming on a second episode. I'm so glad you were able to come on the show. Yeah, thanks, John. I'm like, it's always a pleasure coming up on this show. And as much as I love giving ideas, I love also learning more from you. So this has been a great. Thank you very much, sir. So, Brian, if people want to reach you, if they want to see what you're all about, if they have an acapella question about, hey, how do I structure an acapella interview or something like that, how could they get a hold of you and see what you're all about? 
Yeah, so uh, the biggest project, like I mentioned earlier in the show that I'm doing right now, is uh, College Acapella. And you can go on uh, Facebook, you can go on Twitter and just find us at College Aca, or just go to our website, www.collegeaca.com. And if you have uh, any questions in regards to auditions or general tips, um, just feel free just to message that organization and you will actually be getting in touch with me and I can respond as well as if you love to promote your group or just even learn more about uh, the different groups that are out there. Just go on uh, Facebook and Twitter and just follow us. Boom. And Brian, if people want to talk to you directly, how could they do that? Yeah, if you want my personal Twitter account, just go to Brian, B-R-I-A-N underscore A-0-5. And uh, you can find uh, me on Twitter there. Boom. And then everyone, if you want to get a hold of me, I am on Twitter at John Lampus, J-O-H-N-L-A-M-P-U-S. More importantly, tweet the station at Acaville Radio on Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. And if you want to be on an episode of Tacapella, if you have, especially if you have listener questions, Greg will answer them in the upcoming Greg's Take in literally like 30 seconds here. This has been another fun episode of Tacapella. Brian, thanks again one more time so much for coming on. This is this has been super fun. Always great to have you on and just dive into the crazy world of acapella. And everyone, for everything acapella, please stay tuned. I'm up in the woods. I'm down on my mind. I'm building a still to slow down the time I'm up in the woods I'm down on my mind I'm building a still to slow down the time I'm up in the woods I'm down on my mind I'm building a still To slow down the time I'm up in the woods I'm down on my mind I'm building a still to slow down the time I'm up, I'm up in the woods I'm down, I'm down on my mind I'm, I'm building a still To slow, to slow
You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, where every instrument is portable. And welcome back to Acapella. This is Greg's Take, the newest addition to your acapella diet. So this week, we have a couple of questions we will be diving into. So let's start off with the first one. How can my group get better integrated into the greater community? So I would say one of the best things to keep in mind when it comes to any sort of publicity um, with musical groups is using your connections and networking. You know, so if you know anyone who's involved with the musical community who could possibly set up some gigs or recommend you to someone they know, that's one of the best ways to really get started and really get more involved and spread the word about your group. And whether it's a full performance or whether you're just opening for another group, you know, that sort of exposure can really help spread the word about your group, especially if it's relatively new. I'd say one of the best places to perform in the greater community would be at schools. Because a lot of students really enjoy seeing, you know, college-aged groups perform. And especially with high school students, they might see a college a cappella group perform and think, wow, that looks like a lot of fun. You know, when I'm in college, I want to do that, or I want to be involved in some way with acapella groups. So it can be a really good way of just getting the word out. So I think schools are a great way to get involved with the greater community. One other thing I would involve with regards to, you know, getting involved with the greater community is having some form of social media, whether that's a Facebook page, a Twitter, or even your own website. That's another great way for people who might not know a lot about your group to just learn more. And it's another way to just kind of spread more information about your group. And if you have any recordings, putting some recordings on your Facebook page or whatever form of social media you're using can also really help get the word out and give people a bit of a sample as to what your group is like and the sort of music that you tend to perform. So the next question is, what are your thoughts on performing songs from TV shows, movies, video games, etc., as opposed to a regular contemporary tune? So my philosophy on what sort of music a cappella groups should or shouldn't perform is that the only limits that exist are the limits that the group places on itself. I really don't think any particular type of music should be off-limits for an a cappella group. I definitely don't think that a cappella groups should only perform contemporary pop music. It may be the case that contemporary pop music is the most reliable crowd-pleaser, but especially if a group wants to get a little more creative and try something a little more out there, um, I think that the group should go for it. They should absolutely, you know, try some more creative songs and some more unexpected music. The one word of caution I would add would be copyright laws. And especially when it comes to music from TV shows and movies, copyright laws can be pretty strict. And so I would say that if a group is going to perform music from either a TV show or a movie, they should make sure that the arrangement does give credit to the original composer or publisher. And especially if the arranger is in the group, they should just be really careful about that. But as long as they do that, I really see no reason why acapella groups shouldn't be able to perform music from all sorts of genres, you know? In addition, I'd say, you know, jazz, classic rock, even classical music. There's no reason a group 
you know, shouldn't go for it and really try and expand their horizons. As I said, contemporary pop might be the most reliable crowd pleaser. It might be the case that, you know, music by Katy Perry or Adele is always going to receive the best reception. But what the audience enjoys shouldn't be the only factor in what the group performs. It could be the case that a group really enjoys arranging a song from, I don't know, a Zelda game, for example. They really enjoy the process of arranging a piece from a Zelda game and then performing it. It might just be a great deal of fun for the group, and they might all learn something in the process, even if the reception isn't quite as great as, say, Firework by Katy Perry. So I think performing a lot of different songs, like a wide variety of different types of music, can be a very rewarding experience for an acapella group. And that does it for this week of Greg's Take. If you have a listener question you would like to ask me, feel free to email me at gastarr at seattleschools.org, and perhaps your question will be featured on next week's episode. But until then, take some time to listen to acapella.